Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I am here with Tony Voger sitting down. She is the director, let me get this right. Director, Thought Leadership, Content Strategy. Do I have that right? Yes, you do. Excellent. Well, Tony and I are just meeting for the very first time. She is at Siemens PLM. However, my team has been working with the Siemens team for years. It's just that Tony and I have never met. So it's cool to be at a conference and recognize a name and a company and then sit down and get together and give you guys a podcast to listen to. So, Tony, how are you? How's the conference going? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, It's a pleasure to meet you. Conference is going really, really well. I'm learning a lot and getting a lot of ideas that I can already bring back to my team and, and just thinking about how we can make content better for our customers. This show really started four years ago. I was at the very first one in New York City, mm-hmm. and I did a talk on neuromarketing and the power of storytelling because at that point, it really was just a content conference. That was the focus of all the subject matter. And as you know, it's broadened in here. They've got the ABM track and the demand generation uh, track. So it's really grown as a conference, although um, it's about a 1,000 people, and I like the intimacy. Are you feeling that intimacy here at the conference, getting a chance to talk to some people and have some one-on-one conversations? Absolutely. With a conference like this, you get to meet people you normally wouldn't meet in your everyday life. And with a company like Siemens, it's already a large company, so I don't have the pleasure of meeting a lot of the people that I get to work with day in and day out, face-to-face. It's mostly virtual meetings. So it's always very fun for me to come to a conference like this, meet people face-to-face, talk with them, learn about what they're doing and see how I can apply it to the work that we do at Siemens PLM. What's it like? um, How long have you been at Siemens? Uh, Three and a half years. Three and a half years. So you've been there a while. What's it like working for such a well-established brand, well-established company, uh, iconic company, and you're responsible for their thought leadership content. So what's what's that like? It's fantastic. I, I was very lucky when I started in that nobody really had any procedures or processes in place for what they wanted to do with thought leadership. And so they were looking for somebody with content experience, with storytelling experience, who could come in and really try to keep the focus on that, telling stories that mattered to customers, not just existing customers, but prospects who maybe they hadn't had a great opportunity to speak with until that point. And so they really let me experiment a lot for the first year, year and a half, really take time to meet with the subject matter experts, learn about the topics, and get blog content out there. Is that where you guys started, was writing for the blog? Yes, yes. The blog was and continues to be our our primary source of thought leadership content. But we, over the past year, actually after I learned something at this conference last year, um, learned about this idea of the Netflix effect in binge learning and giving customers the opportunity to learn at their own pace and giving them lots of different ways to do it. So while the blog is still the primary format, we've expanded into videos, we've done podcasts as well, we just finished a test with that. Uh, We've done infographics and we're trying to make it a really unique experience where it's not just blocks of text, blocks of text, go visit this link, you know. And I'm I'm curious because I don't, you know, I I spent the early part of my career Mm -hmm. in marketing certainly, uh, ran, you know, was, was head of marketing and had content marketing within my department. It's interesting that of late, you know, in the last decade where I've been running uh, our company, Demand Gen, that I produce a lot of content. I yes. do a lot of blog writing, do a lot of work on LinkedIn, the podcasts and such, but I don't really understand the process. Like, I'm not a content strategist. Yes. So I'd love for you to share 
how you go about thinking through your content strategy, what channels or types of content sure. to create, and, and plan all that. If you could, if you could teach me the the expertise that you have, that'd be great. Sure. Well, if I went into detail, we could probably be here until Thursday. All right. Uh, and it's only <laughs> Tuesday, so that could be a really, really long conversation. But the great thing is that uh, n it's not a one-person operation. There is a team of people, uh, both within the thought leadership team, other people within marketing, who really come together and say, okay, these are the topics, these are the industries that we're really interested in creating content in. And so my team and I, none of us have an engineering background or a technical background to speak of. My personal background is actually in English and communication. And the other people who are on our team uh, also have English, communication, and one team member, he actually has a background in screenwriting and filmmaking. So we're kind of the initial test audience. Which is great as a, as yes. a storyteller to have that background, for Ex sure. Exactly. So we're, we're the test audience. And so when these ideas come to us or when we search out these ideas, we always ask, is this actually going to be interesting to somebody? Mm -hmm. uh, are they going to be learning something new? Is this relevant to what they're doing? Because it doesn't make sense to produce content that nobody's going to get any use out of. We want everyone who visits a piece of content from thought leadership and any content from our company to leave knowing something that they didn't know before they visited that piece of content. And so a lot of that work is done up front, trying to figure out those points of what's new, what's relevant, what's interesting, what can we offer that's different than yeah. what they're hearing or what they know. And then from there, we can work to see, would this make sense in a blog post? Can we get this idea across in 500 to 1,000 words? Would it be a conversation like a podcast where it may be three or four episodes that are 15 to 20 minutes? Would it be an infographic? Would it be a video? Would it be a combination of those things to really tell a compelling story in a way that leaves customers leaving something with, leaving with knowledge that they didn't have before? When you guys create content, do you repurpose that content for those different mediums or do you treat each medium a bit distinct with the content strategy? Up until this point, we've really treated them distinctly, but one thing that we've been challenged to do from our executives, and it's something that we welcome, is trying to figure out ways where we can repurpose a lot of the content yeah. and seeing how we can get these different ideas to show up in different formats because they might have a different impact in a podcast versus a blog. Right. It, there's, there's service providers, there's also, of course, technology where, for example, we could take this podcast and send it out and get a transcript back and turn it into a blog post. And I've always wondered, I think my marketing department does do some of that. Uh, that's, that's the magic behind the scenes that I'm not dialed into. But the, you know, I always think some, some content doesn't work in different formats. Uh, Tina was here earlier, mm -hmm. uh, and her company helps uh, nonfiction books uh, convert them into audiobooks. And we were talking about my book and that whether that would lend itself well to being an audiobook or not. So some content just works well in video or works well in the written format and the audio format. But I, I, it's still a mystery to me in terms of around content strategy that when you, when you bring in a product to market maybe from Siemens or have, uh, want to create some thought leadership pieces, do you sit down and say, what's the form factor we would use for each one of these channels? Or do we focus first, like you said, on what does the audience need? Mm -hmm. And let's build that and then think if we can repurpose it in, in other it ways. It really is thinking about what the audience needs. And so for thought leadership, if we think about it in terms of a buyer's journey, it's very early on. So the questions are very high level. It's not comparing products or solutions that we have yet. It's just finding out what this trend means to me. How is it going to affect my future and my business? What do I need to know now so I don't get caught off guard? And so those kinds of conversations, 
there is a little bit of leeway in how you have them and how you think they're going to be most effective. And we make that decision uh, based on our experience, based on analytics, a combination of those two things, mm -hmm. and also collaborating with other people in our marketing department who are putting together campaigns around some of these topics and ideas to see, is there a particular way that you've seen success in the past getting out a similar idea, and do you think it would work here? Yes. What's the process you use for collecting the content and the information? What I mean is like when, when our consultants write for our blog, uh, we'll have the writing team talk to the consultant and lay out a framework for the article and, and, mm -hmm. let, and let the consultant come up with what the topic is and, and either do all of the writing or the majority of the writing. What's your approach at Siemens for coming up with a thought leadership piece, if you can break that sure. down. Sure. That's actually a really good question because we've found that there are two types of approaches that work really well. The first approach doesn't happen as often, but a lot of times, um, if, if an expert wants to take that approach, they're very hands-on. So they come to the team with ideas, or we find them, and they have dozens and dozens and dozens of ways that they want to talk about it, and they take the very hands-on approach. They want to take the draft, they want to start it, and then hand it to the team to refine it and get it ready for publication. But we found that the second way is actually a lot more popular, just because everyone's busy. Uh, I'm sure this is no surprise to the listeners. Yeah. Everyone's busy, and so it's very difficult to commit to something uh, that you would like to write, but maybe just don't have the time to write. And also, we we found, and it's not just the experts that we work with, but people in general, they have what I would call uh, the fear of the blank page. Uh, you have the Word document open on your computer, you don't know where to start, and you just have that cursor that's blinking and almost mocking you a little bit. <laughs> and so, to take some of that anxiety out of the process, we don't even in the second uh, way that we do it, we don't even uh, ask them to write anything to start with. We just have a conversation. We ask them questions. We learn more about the topic. And then from there, because these experts, they know so much about what they're discussing. They're so passionate about the topic. And it really comes through in those conversations. From there, our team is able to put together a framework of whatever we're working on and present it back to them to say, is this something that you can work from now? I and really take that anxiety out of yeah. the equation. I love that. Um, I've, I've experienced that anxiety. Yes. You described it extremely well. Yes. Your background in communications and, and English, uh, did you know this is what you were going to end up doing? Or how, how this path, how'd you get on this path to what you do? Well, it, it kind, I kind of stumbled into it, but it was more than a happy accident. Um, when I graduated from college, uh, it was right at the end of the economic recession. I, I was born and raised in Michigan, went to university in Michigan, and uh, was looking just for any really unique opportunity where I could write and help people tell stories. And so I ended up moving to Boston, Massachusetts, lived out there for three years and worked for a company that's actually here this week uh, called Tech Target okay, as a sure site editor. And so I, I really refined a lot of my skills there and, and learned how to have these conversations with experts, plan with them, get the information that you need to create really compelling content. And then a couple of years ago, I was looking to come back to Michigan for a few reasons. And I saw this really interesting opportunity at Siemens. And I went, that opportunity, it, it seems exciting, but it also scares me a little bit. And I think that's why I should take it. And I just think that's a, been a really interesting approach. Uh, you should always take something, I think, it, it fascinates you, but also scares you a little bit because it means it's worth it. That is great advice. If it seems like a layup or too easy, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. you got to you got to be stretched. 
Exactly. And I mean, like I said, this was a really unique opportunity. Uh, they didn't have a plan in place for how they wanted to do it. They were really looking for somebody with the background and expertise to try to put something together. And I'm so lucky that Siemens decided to uh, take the chance on me because it's, it's been a very successful program. Uh, we won a Killer Content Award last year. We've had a lot of recognition both within uh, Siemens PLM and separate, uh, Siemens AG. Uh, we've also had um, external recognition where lots of customers are commenting or reaching out to the experts directly saying this is exactly what we've been wanting. And so that's really gratifying to see that hard work pay yeah. off quite a bit. Congratulations on the award. I think that's the second time it's come up where awards, they're really meaningful. And, yes. you know, um, my dad was in the military and he was decorated. And I always thought like, you know, and my friend Dave Katzi just got the Medal, Medal of Valor. Oh, wow. So these people put themselves at incredible risk. Yes. And they get a ribbon. And it's such an honor, right? That it's not money. No. It's it's not a trip to Hawaii uh, or wherever your you know fantasy destination is. It's a ribbon or a certificate or in your case you know a trophy and congratulations and it it it's it's the symbol of what it represents and you know the work and effort behind it uh, that that took it so congratulations on that and uh, it's maybe, nice validation to of of people your peers saying we see what you're doing and we appreciate right. it. And as a guy who's, um, I just recently was a judge, one of the judges for Event Marketer of the Year for certain, and they gave me all these submissions, and then I had to review them. And I can tell you, and for anybody listening, if you're ever going to submit an award, you've got to outline the impact of what you did. And it was very clear to me that of the submissions that came in, the ones where I really didn't know, well, okay, so they ran an event, or they built a mobile app, or did this, but what was the impact? It was hard for me to want to give them, you know, an accolade or award or recognition because I don't know what it actually accomplished, which really had more to do with possibly the submission than actually maybe what it had uh, there. So congrats again. Thank you. What's one of the projects uh, that you've worked on in the last year that um, maybe we're talking about how you how you put it together and, and, and brought it to market if it, if it had any of those impact results sure. for you? Sure. So uh, our, my team and I, we took a project on about July of last year for our company's additive manufacturing initiative. Uh, Siemens has an additive manufacturing network now that we're really trying to tell the market about, tell our customers about, tell them why it's different, why you should go with that. And so that's, like I said, buyer's journey, if you think about it, that kind of messaging is at the end. And so we worked with the additive manufacturing team to talk about messaging at the beginning. And we ended up working on a bundle of content where it was blog posts, a series of podcasts, infographics, ebook, uh, fact sheet, and also a magazine article that went into Metal AM magazine, and that was published in the fall. And the feedback that we've gotten on all of those assets has been incredible, not just internally, but externally. Uh, that magazine article in particular, uh, they presented it at a trade show in Germany, and customers said it was one of the most interesting, compelling articles that they had read, lots wow. of positive feedback. And so my, my team and I, we worked with the additive manufacturing team to really hone in on that messaging, what it is that was different, why they wanted to talk about this facility in Finsbong, Sweden, where they found a way to 3D print on a part 
rather than 3D printing from scratch and the kind of impact that has not just in reducing costs, but also increasing uptime in the field, making sure that the product lasts longer, actually designing the product maybe a little bit better with the 3D printed part as well. And that was the compelling story where we just went, we've never heard that. That's the story we need to tell. Yeah, love it. Speaking of 3D printers, I got one as a holiday gift two uh, holidays ago, meaning the, the Christmas time, and I, I loved getting it. And I still to this day kind of wonder, like, will there come a day where there's one in every household, you know, and, and a 3D printer? And I've certainly modeled and built my own stuff and downloaded stuff. Very, very cool. And it's nice to hear Siemens constantly innovating and constantly doing things. But you have transformed the world. I Absolutely. Mean, yeah. Siemens is, again, one of those just iconic companies that I think about all the things that would be different in the world yes. had there not been the innovations and technologies. And I can tell you right now, whenever I tell somebody I work for Siemens, the reaction is always unanimously positive. It's always, oh, that company, they do really great things. They take care of their people. They're always in the news about doing these really interesting things. And I just went, yes, that's my company. I'm lucky enough to work there. The culture is great, despite how large yes. it is. My team loves working with the Siemens team. And we've we've embarked on some really uh, challenging projects. We've built custom software uh, for the team, and the project went off phenomenal. And it's just love the agility, even though it's a large company. I love the, the passion and commitment that, that the folks have for the work. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something I, I, it's a joy to work with the people that I work with because they all are so, so smart. They all have wonderful ideas. They're all committed to the work. They're all committed to making a difference in customers' lives. Yeah. And it's really nice to be a part of an organization and a company that really has that focus. And I, and I wanted people to hear that because, um, Let's face it, not every big company is easy to thrive in, right? It's some, very difficult, sure. Some, some have a lot of well-established processes that you, you can't break. Um, you have to ask for permission instead of for forgiveness. In an agile growing company, you should ask for forgiveness yes. and not permission. And uh, you know, in a large company, sometimes there's a lot of people and not a lot gets gets done, and you know you, you can hide out if that's uh, what what you're into. And it's certainly not been my experience working with the team there. These, these are very motivated, very driven, and and accomplished um, folks. So it's it's great to meet you for the first time. When you come, this is your second time at the conference. Yes, this okay. is the second year I've, I've come to this conference. And I've been talking about the conference as 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 people have been here. Like I know that there's people listening back at their offices or wherever they are right now that are not here, and I hope they get here next year. Why do you come each year? What's What are you hoping to take away or accomplish? That's a really great question. I think it's just a really great place to learn about what others are doing in B2B marketing and trends that we need to be aware of. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in our day-to-day -day work where we have so much that we need to do that maybe we don't necessarily take the time we need to or should to look at what's coming our way in two years, in five years, in a decade. And so I just learned so much at this conference. I came back with a moleskin notebook full of notes last year and a camera roll full of pictures on my iPhone that I went to share with my team and I said, I, I told them about some of the things that I learned, like the Netflix effect and, and how our personal habits at home are affecting the way our customers expect to receive and consume content yeah. and how we could start implementing some of that in what we do. 
And so it's really nice to see and learn what other companies have found success with, yeah. try to figure out how that could apply to the work that we do, mm -hmm. and to try new things. Uh, very lucky with, with the job that I have that we do have the option to try new things and, and test it out and, and learn. And if it doesn't work out, sometimes it happens, that's okay as long as we learn from it and we can figure out what's next. That's always been something that's been a great support of thought leadership. That's great. Well, last night they had the fireworks show after the reception, and I could see that like nobody wanted to go back to their room or yes. or go away. They all kind of stuck together and just kept kept chatting. As I kicked off my keynote yesterday, you know, I, I gave people a chance to not just introduce themselves, but to talk about a challenge that they're having at work. Yes. And and boy, people really leaned in and, and started talking. It was hard to get everybody back in their seats. But uh, these these events are great for. Uh, for learning and certainly for for networking. So, what's what's next for you? What's coming up project-wise back at uh, at headquarters? What are you working on? Right now, we're just continuing to reach out to different people within Siemens PLM uh, to work on new topics, continue existing topics, and and also figure out ways where we can try um, new things. So, I mentioned we did a test, a short test with podcasts last year for additive manufacturing. We're working on doing a, another series of podcasts right now where it might not be one topic, it would be a mix of, of topics mm -hmm. and, and trying that. Uh, just really trying to expand what we do and scale it out. Uh, because I, I do work on a relatively small team, but there is a lot of interest in what we've done and trying to scale that out and, and taking some of our, our philosophy into the work uh, on a greater scale. Well, I'm going to I'm going to put a challenge out to you okay. and that you're going to be here next year, I, I imagine. Hope so. And I would love to see you speak. I think you have a tremendous amount of experience and knowledge on content creation and you know, as I've talked to some people here, it's something that a lot of people actually struggle with. Yes. Uh, and and they don't know to where, how to go to those sources of information. For example, I want to ask you a question. Maybe this is something you'll cover next year. I'm okay. giving, giving that challenge. Um, when you collect the information from the various folks in the organization that have this knowledge, sure. do you do it in person, in a meeting room, on the phone, over email, over Slack, or how how are you having those conversations? It's so difficult to have these conversations face-to-face -face just because of how global the company Siemens is, and the division that I'm a part of has thousands of people. So it's very hard to get into the same room and have those conversations. So what we do is we, we normally start out email, uh, say, have this idea, let's set up a time to chat. And then depending on how much our experts have to say and how many questions we have, we could have a phone or a Skype call that's a half hour, it could be two hours, it could be a couple of hours over a few days. And then just synthesizing that information to say, there's a lot here, but what do we need to start talking about mm -hmm. now? Mm -hmm. And someone who has a background in storytelling and the, and the folks on your team, um, when I've gone out and talked about storytelling and collecting that, it's how you ask the questions. Yes. And, and, and the way that you ask the question gets them to tell the story. And I always try to get those nuggets of the challenges or the roadblocks and, and how they overcame something possibly with the, sure. with the solution. So I hope to see you again here next year. Thank you. I hope to be here uh, living in Michigan, coming to Arizona in February is a nice reprieve. I bet it. <laughs> uh, and I actually am going to be on a panel about blogging tomorrow. You are? Yes. All right. So we don't have to wait a year. Yeah. You don't have to wait a year. I'm so going to check it out. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be talking a lot about uh, what we've talked about today and then some. Nice. And uh, just I'm really 
really happy to be here and, and learning and also sharing. So thank you so much for having me Absolutely. Today. Are you going to take that content and share it or have you shared it online at all? Is there a Tony Boger blog? There is not a Tony Boger blog. There is a Tony Boger LinkedIn page. And uh, our, our blog is on the Siemens PLM website. And so you can see a lot of the content that my team has helped curate, has helped uh, collaborate with a bunch of experts on for topics like autonomous vehicles, additive manufacturing, and much, much, much more. Well, if you are out there and learning about content marketing or practicing content marketing, connect with Tony, T-O-N-I. Boger, B-O-G-E-R. Sounds like you've got some gems on your LinkedIn profile, which I'll definitely go check out. Thank you for, for joining me for the podcast. Your first podcast. This is my first podcast, and I survived. So I, <laughs> I'd love to do this again. So thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been uh, wonderful to talk with you. Absolutely. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll catch you on the next one. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.